Ready. Are you ready? We're going to do ready. it. Well, um, I fired up the recording. So here yeah, we go. Well, hello, Mr. Matt. Hi. Hello, hello, Internet. So we're here to talk about your, you just put out your platform today. So yep. uh, I thought it'd be good to ask you some questions about it and you can sure. explain it because I think I saw it. Um, when did you send this to me two days ago? Yeah, you had a little preview for it. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. Okay. Uh, okay, so I guess I'll read through and ask you about it. Uh, I'll just go right down the line on your issues. So um, your first section is transparency. Yes. So let's see what you have in there. Uh, first thing you have is live stream board meeting through USPSA website and catalog database for member review in the future. Yep. Um, is there, I mean, the technology obviously exists to do this. Are there yeah, any impediments in the bylaws to doing this? Not that I can see. I think the president can do this fully open, like without any objection from the board. I guess only objection could be that the board just doesn't show up. And then no meetings can happen, but. I, I mean, that would be the only objection I could see. All right. Uh, create live stream monthly member meeting where members would get updates from all employee directors, committee chairs, area directors and president. Yeah, it just goes along with the transparency to see what the organization has going on and to see what the board members have going on and what's actually happening. Um, At this time, I would like to present financial reports from the DFO currently. Is there so you the next item you have is provide membership monthly accounting of organization financials. Is that necessary every month? Why would it not be? Uh, well, I, I don't know why it'd be necessary every month unless you you think there's something going on that people need to see. I think it just makes sense with the size of the organization and the amount of money in it mm -hmm. that the members have access to what their money is being spent on and they can see it. Uh, okay, well, provide approved budget for organization to members is the next thing you have. Yeah, I think this is big because in the past, they have approved negative budgets from the organization, so they would be dipping into the reserve funds that the organization has. And I personally feel like that's not a good path. Okay. And I think the members should be able to see that and to see who's actually voting on that and then what board members agree with that and everything. So that'd be part of the live streaming. And the members can actually see how their representatives are representing them. Okay. Uh, let's go to the next one. Let's expand committees to bring in outside experts to advise board of directors. Yeah, so this is pretty simple. Uh, the big one, that the audit and the finance committee, where we'd bring in outside CPAs. Obviously, there's a concern about non-disclosures and stuff like that, right? Which anybody brought in would have to sign because they'd be getting proprietary info from the organization. But if you brought in an outside CPA to audit the financials, they can look at it where they have no financial interest. They're not being paid by the organization as an employee or a board of director member or a president or anything like that. So they could actually get a look at how the organization's finances are being done and make sure they're on the up and up. Do you have some reason to think they're not? Do we do we really know though right now? Well, no, they I mean they have the publicly required disclosures, like the yeah. more detailed expense reports. I haven't seen. I mean, I've heard that there's uh, 
potentially issues, but I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, everything out in the open makes everything clearer, right? So there should be no questions. Like, yeah. I have questions now, right? You have questions. You've heard rumors. If yes. all this was out in the open, that would dispel all those rumors. That's uh, okay. Fair enough. Shithman and the board's going to love you. All right. Um, <laughs> F, uh, support DNROI to redevelop proper calibration procedure and then push out three different solutions for membership feedback before implementation. I think that's pretty self-explanatory. You don't like the uh, popper calibration nope. change. Uh, I never agreed with the, the way they adjusted it last fall uh, based on my no vote. And then I don't think it's actually been reevaluated right now. So... Are we just going to sit by and say this is we've we've adjusted popper calibration so now it's good forever, or should we actually put three different solutions out to get member feedback on and actually process through matches and see how they all work out, and then maybe none of those actually work and the current way we have it is good enough and <laughs> as good as it can get. But I think we've all seen how that there's room for improvement for sure. For sure. Okay. Uh, your next section, integrity. Uh, work with DIT to create a survey system and USPSA website. Who, who DIT is the director of IT? Yeah, Rick Bratzel. Okay, so you want a survey system for what? What kind of surveys? So any of the hosted matches by USPSA should mandatory send out a survey after the match to see how the match, the customers, which are the members that actually shot the match, liked it and what could be improved or anything like that. So we don't get any feedback now except for posts on social media or emails that come in or any of the sponsors that give feedback. Besides that, there's no actually way to quantify how good we're actually doing, and I want to change that. Okay. Uh, so this goes along with your the next thing you have is provide a solution for all match directors to list, to solicit and organize feedback from members yeah. in uh, attendance through USPSA's website. So this would be for all levels of match. You want to yeah, make this, this would just be an available. expansion on the survey system where if say I'm hosting a match at Mill Creek and I'm the match director, I can go in there and click a button and say get member feedback from this match. And members can go in there that actually shot the match, can go in and tell me how I'm doing. Right. And then that would be hosted on the USPSA website. So the first step is to create the survey system. And then the next step is expand it out beyond just the hosted events. Okay. So the next item you have is adhere to an uncompromising removal of cheaters found in organization. Never again allow blatant cheating to humiliate the organization. I'm guessing this is about the Tony Cowden situation. Yeah, 100%. Okay. It's, it's real simple in my mind. If you allow cheaters in the sport, it no longer becomes a sport or anything that you can keep score at because there's always questions there. And I think the org has moved in the right direction on this quite a bit since I've been on the board since September. There's, if you go back and look at the minutes, it's pretty clear that when it's been brought up, there's been no questions about it. And uh, we also, what, Insights put some stuff out about the Pineland Club and all that? Well, I mean, I did see some... 
there it, it was kind of interesting how just changing the classifier setup a little bit did seem to have a big impact on hit factors. Yeah, it has a huge fact, huge impact on it. So almost I mean, a huge factor for the hit factor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot of people get a lot out of the classification system. They really like it. So if there's a few clubs skewing hit factors, that's obviously not a good thing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, okay, you want to freeze all competition and competitor changes on rules until uh, 2024. Yep. Why? So the date on there is pretty interesting because it's the first date of the next full cycle president would be in office. Mm -hmm. So I believe the members should have input on who's in the office and the direction that they want to go during this short time for those this special elected president. My math is, I mean, at most he can be in office for. 18 months, it's more likely he'll actually only be in the office for 15 months before the new person on the, the regular cycle will actually be in office. So a lot of this comes down to what you can do in a certain amount of time that you're in there and why what you actually have effect on. Why, hmm? why freeze, freeze the rule changes? Well, it's easily stability. We need to stop making changes get member input, use that same survey system and see what members want in there, what they don't want in there, or what how we could better change them. Well, you're saying the rules have been changed. Well, I'm guessing you'd say the rules have been changed too frequently, too often, too too much. Just how, like, thing. What year, or actually what quarter can you think of last that the rules weren't changed in? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> years, years way too long because they change them like multiple times a year. All right. Uh, next item on there, work with local match directors to develop and publish a local club guide and best practices resource to help with club setup. Um, yeah, so what I'm thinking on this is geographically, what I do in Kansas City doesn't make sense for somebody on the East or West Coast to do for setting up and running a club. Like getting a club started off the ground, they have a range that has four bays on it. How do you go in there and start a match? Or how do you take an existing match and make it better? So basically, this would be a guide where we get input from all the geographical areas because people that have 200 people at their local matches at, on one of the coasts, when we have 50 to 70 in the Midwest and don't have any capacity issues. Yeah. Yep. Well, I mean, you're painting with a broad brush, but... Uh... Yeah, there's capacity to see some places and also places about now. how do you how do you tier the setup where you don't have one person doing all the setup all the time and you actually have contingencies in there so you don't have everything relying on one person and then they get burned out and then they just fall off and then yeah. the club just disappears. It's a big So issue. where would you put this guide? On the website. All right. Well, fair enough. All right. So you want to work with stage designers all around the country to develop and publish a stage design and set up resource guide. So that's the same thing, but with uh, stage design, yep, basically. 100%. Yeah. All right. And your long-term goals, you have add term limits for all elected area directors and president. Yeah. I think this is beyond the special election term. I don't think this can be done within the 15 months that if I do get elected for this office will happen. Right. These, you'd, these would you'd, all be bylaw changes. You'd be like pushing for this. Yeah, I would work towards this during my term. All right. 
uh, add a process for members to recall an elected area director or president. So yep. what certain number of signatures to initiate some certain number of signatures, people brought up like how it's going to get paid for stuff like that. Okay. Um, and, and the reasoning behind this is what if you had a area director that ran unopposed and then put something out that the members of the area were very against and how they did things. You have no way for members to actually remove that person from office. You have to rely on the other members of the board to do it, which they don't answer to the members of that area. So they have no reason to remove that person from office. Well, I mean, I guess unless they didn't like it, but I mean, I get what you're saying. You want a member driven way to. Yeah, I'm not saying one person should say we should remove just I'll just use me as an example, area three director shouldn't have one person be able to say that. That makes no sense. There should be a clear path and clear process on how this happens. And that should be in the bylaws. And I don't know why it is not. <clears throat> All right. Um, change bylaws to DNROI be an elected position. The membership have representation on who DNROI is. Um, I could see the big the big bone of contention here and probably something you're flexible on would be the candidate pool for this. Yeah, 100%. I think that's where the conversation has to happen to start with. Uh, yeah, so, where, so what would you, you just set go it with to? RMIs, there's, I think, eight or 11. I think it's eight. If you go with RMs, there's 60 or 70. If you go with CROs, there's 1,000. And if you go with ROs, there's like 3,000. So determining where that pool comes from the people eligible to run it is where the big question mark is for me. Yeah. Well, why do you think it'd be good to have DNROI be elected? So, I mean, we've all seen the the shift in how they're making everything easier and more open for people to compete and participate in the sport, right? And if people don't like you the You mean the general loosening of equipment rules? general loosening of everything i mean yeah some other stuff is loosened up too i suppose but uh yeah so i just think members should be have a say in everything and so the members should be able to elect that person they should be able to put their platform out the way they want the path of D NROI to go and let the members vote on it uh and that, well that would be a, a total shift in I guess the incentives for DNROI being held accountable to the members, you probably get some behavior changes doing that. Uh, yeah, 100%. That'd be a nice way of saying it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, nationals. Um, so you got to do something with nationals. You want to yep. host one large nationals for all handgun divisions divisions toward the end of the year. Uh, towards the end of the year, I get uh, the, the one large nationals thing. I think a lot of pro shooters aren't going to like, and I think people might – well, people have there's going to be less slots available. So obviously there will be less number this. of slots available if you compare it to having four separate nationals like we're having in 2022. Now, the question is how many unique people are going to attend those matches or have attended matches in the past? All right, now, if so that number is the same. If you have, say, 600 people, unique people attend nationals every year and you have a one large nationals that has 720 slots in it 
you're actually opening it up for more people to attend the match than less. I get what this you're saying. Not you have to I'm, check out those numbers, right? Yeah, I have to. I'm going to look those numbers up and find that out. So you're open to, I mean, I I'm open to open not to doing change, this for sure. You're open to changing any of this, but yeah. an easy pivot would be then do instead of one large nationals, you do like the back to back. Yeah, back to back is a pretty good way to do it. That's how it's happened in a lot of the previous years. Um, the problem with that is you go from a four or five day match to a seven day match. Right, three Where, days, day three off, days, three days, break day, three days, yeah. All right, I mean, I don't really have a very strong opinion about it. We, the, I, uh, the I think it's definitely something to talk about. I'm not dead set on one large nationals. The 2014 nationals that yep. Phil did when it was everything stages. combined. Yeah, that was really cool. I really yeah. liked that. But then the next year when he had just a standalone for production, and that was like a huge-ass nationals, that was pretty cool too. Yeah, there's pluses and minuses to all of this. I think yeah. one of the big things is no matter what, you have to look at the money that it takes to put these matches on the ground. And if the entry fees don't cover it, those costs have to go against something else, which just looking at a broad brush, the main income for the org is the membership dues. And should the organization and do the members know that the membership dues that they're giving to the organization are helping supplement and pay for nationals. And if the members are fine with that, no problem. We should do it. Okay. I, I just um, don't think that's known. Well, I mean, the, the, the pro shooters are going to not like this, I think. So why would they not like it? They get more bites at the apple if there's more national events, so potentially can win more titles. You at least get more shots. Yeah, that there is some people out there talking that if you have one national event, you can't award who's best in every division. So if we do that, should we have eight <coughs> different nationals? Does that Are you make asking sense? Asking me, I think having a nationals for every division is too much. Like too much. I mean. The more nationals you put on, the more events the organization's responsible, kind of like the more that energy to make it a good event gets diluted. Mm -hmm. So you got to strike a balance somewhere. I don't think a lot of the people that are providing feedback on this have seen a big nationals and see what it actually could be comparing it to the prestige or the the grandiose scale of world shoots and how big those are and how how many people they get in those. Those are obviously six-day events, which I don't think the U.S. is ready for that, especially at a Nationals. That's too many. I I'm thinking four-day match, 28 stops, so seven stops per day, and you shoot 28 stages. Real quick math, that's 12 people per squad, two flights, 28 stages times four. Nope, I did that wrong. <laughs> 720 so you'd have spots for 720 well i guess we'll have to see like how many unique people want really want to go yeah so i'm so i take it from this you don't see a whole lot of value in like repeat entries or the same person doing two or three nationals, you don't really care about that. I don't care if they do it or don't. Like, I'm not actually totally set on this. I just think it's a good idea. 
I don't think it's been done since 2014. So I think it's time to come back and actually try it and see where people are at. All right. Uh, Choose adequate ranges to host national level events. I'm guessing this is you talking about Talladega. 100%. Talladega is not adequate to host a nationals. They do not have enough bays. If they had six more bays, be 100% fine. Okay. Fair enough. Require aftermatch surveys for all USPSA hosted events. I mean, I think we talked about that. Yeah, talked about that earlier. All right. So to steel challenge, uh, RO course done through online learning management system. Yeah. Within, with talking to people over the last year, the number one thing is people that shoot steel challenge only do not want to go to a range officer class where they talk about mostly USPSA rules. It doesn't make sense to teach a person that is only going to RO a steel challenge match how to use an overlay. It's never done at steel challenge. There's no reason to do it. And that's something you hear from the steel people? Yeah, 100%. That's that's the number one thing people ask that I have talked to that have brought up. All right. Uh, the next thing, allocate slots to uh, what, the steel challenge? World, the, yeah, World Speed Shooting Championship. Okay, through slot policy based on performance at previous nationals, area yep. matches and activity within sections. Is that is that different? Like, that's not done now? That No, it is 100% open entry be, besides sponsor slots and it, Everything I'm hearing and saw like saw for the match this year in 2022 it was a nightmare. Practice score failed. The match was doesn't actually have enough slots. And the allocation would be literally duplicate how the current USPSA matches are. We have the formula. We have the process. Why don't we use it? Okay. And I would I would implement that like next year 100% right away. Easily done. All right, and then you want to move the steel challenge towards the end of the year, the championship match. Or... Yeah, I think the the mat, the national world matches should be a culmination of the year's events towards the end of the year. Obviously, can't have everything the first two weeks of October or the last two weeks of September. But if you put certain matches in the right areas on the right ranges that are not actually restricted by time constraints, you could easily hold all the matches in September and October. Wait, all the matches, what what matches? Nationals, World Speed. You have the two-gun PCC. Okay. Yeah, that's on here too. You want to host PCC yeah. and two-gun nationals in back-to-back format, yeah. Yeah, I think PCC is such a different enough division that you have to test different things with a PCC than with a handgun. If you're testing, if you build a match for handgun stages, typical handgun ranges and target difficulty, that is not actually testing the ability and the the use of the PCC to what it mostly should be used for. I'm yeah. not 100% sold on this. If people say they want to shoot their rifles at handgun targets and distances and difficulty, fine, we'll do that. No problem. So you mean instead of doing the PCC... In a back-to-back with two gun nationals, you just throw it into the hand, uh, however you cut up the hand Yeah, I think nation- if you have all eight there, I don't think you could do one big event because it's going to get watered down pretty significantly at that point. All right. Um, let's see what else is there here. Multi-gun. 
work with match directors and competitors to further develop common rule set and classification system for multi-gun. I think the key to that's the classification system, right? I think so too. If we just take and look at how Steel Challenge expanded so much after they implemented a classification system in that, so people could be compared and shoot against like skilled shooters. We saw once that was put in, Steel Challenge just took off like a rocket ship. And this is already being done. I know Jake is working on this, so it's not something that's 100% not being done right now. But I think we can expand it like we did with the multi-gun rule changes earlier this year. Yeah. No, I mean, that's the that's the thing to do if you're going to, well, if you want to do multi-gun stuff. You want to create a specific multi-gun committee, including people outside the BOD. So I'm guessing you have some people that would you'd want to talk to about multi-gun issues huh i've already talked to some of them so yes yep all right and you want to host a rifle and shotgun nationals championships to qualify teams for ipsc world shoots so i'm guessing this is to solve the uh kind of the pro the slot distribution problem yeah easily and there's no reason we shouldn't do it now now do they need to be a three-day national event with only 100 people at it no but if you have a day and a half format and get 100 people through however number many of stages that test all the the appropriate stuff for those platforms we should be able to do that no problem and i'm guessing that only have to be every third year if you're doing it for ipsc world shoots not that you wouldn't uh, i don't yeah i mean discussed it you i would actually probably do it every what two years and then off but honestly, if, if there's enough attendance and it makes sense, what would hurt if we did it every year? There's just more stuff to There are disciplines within USPSA. We should actually have matches for them. Yeah. And if All our right, rule so set is holding that back, we need to adjust the rule set. Yes. Um, I'm just reading through the stuff on Facebook. Like if there's any, is there a specific reason you want the recall option for the board of directors? Well, just like I said earlier, it's if a member run, or if a elected officer runs unopposed, they automatically get in the office. And then if they do something that the members don't like, they're stuck with that director for four years. Or they have to convince seven other board members that aren't from their area mm -hmm. to remove them, which that'll never happen. Well, I mean, it might happen. I could see you getting punted if you keep being annoying. <laughs> uh, how how do you value the input of industry? I'm just reading off the Facebook yeah. questions. I'm sorry. How do you value the input of industry members and sponsors, and how are their voices heard? If we are not collaborating with the industry, are are we alienating USPSA from longtime supporters and sponsors? You have to take their input. You don't have to do... 100% of what they say, though. You have to I take mean, their input as input and figure out the best course of action. I think that. most of the industry doesn't really give a shit about USPSA, truthfully. It's, it's honestly such a small portion of the industry that unless there's someone actively within the company that participates in the sport, then most people don't actually know it exists. Yeah. Um, do you think USPSA should get more involved in multimedia broadcasting? If so, why? And to what I think, extent? So 
I've been thinking about that question since it got put up there. Yeah. I think USPSA should have in-house people that can do videos and production. So we shouldn't have to rely on the outsourcing all our media to media companies that we have to pay for. If we hired somebody that could cut up videos and put them on YouTube and put them on Facebook, we should be able to do that with people that are hired in-house. But be, but I mean, what do you mean paying other companies? Do, do they pay other companies now? Or do they pay? Do they pay for media production now? Yeah. Is it a lot, or can you uh, say? I think it's a pretty significant number. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you if you get the right guy who's talented, they can do a lot just by you know elbow grease, I suppose. Um, yeah, I mean, I think you answered a lot of this. Oh, Matt, there, there you are. No, I hit um, the wrong button on accident. Okay, to the extent outsiders are brought onto committees, who selects them? How are they vetted? Are they compensated? What voting no, rights committees aren't have? compensated. No, they're not compensated. Um, yeah, you, you talk I believe about the this. board of directors would vet them. They would based be vetted, on the need. Vetted by the BOD and they'd have to sign a non-disclose. Yeah, it's pretty simple. Yeah. They don't vote on shit. We're we're not the first nonprofit board in the in the world or the US to to bring outside people in to help them with stuff. Well, do you anticipate have you anticipate any other questions about this? Oh, I'm sure I will. Yeah, get sure. on there, get on the YouTube's, and make some comments. I'll get on there and uh, answer them, or we can have a follow-up conversation on this. So, well, Matt, it's good you it's good you're doing something positive, putting on a platform instead of just you know being being all negative all the time. Well, I guess that's me, isn't it? I've heard that. <laughs> <laughs> Such a dickhead. All right, Matt. Well, thank you. Um, I'm going to title this. Uh, Howler Monkey uh, agenda or something. Matt Matt Hopkins reveals the Howler Monkey agenda. How's that sound? Sure. Yeah, it's gonna uh, be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my god.